Would you take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 1 John, 1 John chapter 3. We're journeying through 1 John. We're coming to some exciting verses of scriptures. As you began to study these three verses of scriptures, you're going to discover that in chapter 3, 4, and 5, theme is the love of God. Chapters 1 and chapter 2 was the light of God, the fellowship of God. But now we're coming into understand that we are children of God because of His amazing love. We've sung about that today, and we've talked about that, but God's love is so amazing, and we're here to Rejoice in that love. Would you stand with me as we read and study these passages of scriptures together? John, the apostle, says, Behold, let me have your attention, he's saying. He is saying, I want your undivided attention because I'm about to tell you something that is out of this world. What manner of love the Father has bestowed on on us. Who can understand? Who can comprehend the great love of God? God's love is so magnificent, He is saying to us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God. Did you hear what that said? Now, this very moment, we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him. That's a good place for an amen right there. That we will be revealed and that he is revealed and we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And everyone that who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. I don't know if I'm going to be able to stand myself this morning because I'm, I'm just telling you these verses of scripture is unbelievable of what God has reminded us as children of the Lord. Father, I am so grateful and thankful to be able to say that I am a child of God and that we are children because of your precious love. Father, I pray for the anointing and the filling of your Holy Spirit to work And to demonstrate your mighty power as only you could do. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. And for the way that it has already spoken to our hearts. And we pray, dear Lord, that you will just manifest yourself to us. In a manner that we have never experienced before. And we'll go away as changed people. 
praising you, thanking you, and honoring you for all the great and mighty things you've done. For we ask this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. The Bible tells us that we shall be called the children of God. A study of the love of God will literally revolutionize your life. D.L. Moody did a very intensive study of the love of God. And he says, after studying the love of God, he says, I realized and I experienced of loving people like I have never loved people before. And he says, not only have I loved people, but I find myself loving God like I have never experienced in my life. The love of God. He says, just literally flowed from my fingertips. The love of God. I want us today to consider the awesomeness of the love of God and the way that he has demonstrated his love and exercised his love to you and I. There's great benefits, tremendous benefits, John tells us, of how we can know and experience the love of God. I want to share with you two or three things here today as we look at this passage of Scripture. As we think about the tremendous benefits of the awesome love of God. Look with me in verse 1. First of all, I want you to notice with me the Christian's dignity of what we are and what we possess. Behold, as I said earlier, he says, let me have your attention because I am about to tell you something that will blow you away. What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. And listen what he says, that we shall be called the children of God. When I think about that verse of Scripture, I think about an experience I had several years ago. I was coming from Richmond. One late night, I was just returning from a meeting. And I had uh, my radio on, and I was just listening to what was on the radio. And there was this particular preacher, so-called preacher, I might say. He would be what I would consider a false prophet. And what he was doing, he was making fun of a doctrine that we cherish, and that is a doctrine of being born again. He said, there are certain people think that you can be born again today. He says, when the Bible teaches that you're only born again when you get to heaven. I don't know how that can happen. But he says that that can only happen. And when he said that, immediately the Holy Spirit of God brought to my remembrance of this verse of Scripture, of verse 1. Listen, I mean in verse 2. Listen to what he says. Beloved, now we are the children of God. Now. 
this very moment, the moment that we're living in today. My friend, I am so grateful to know that I can know God and know Him personally and that I can experience Him as my Father in heaven this very moment. I don't have to wait to get to heaven to get to know Him. But my friend, there was a day and an hour that I came as a sinner, humbly as I knew how, falling upon my knees, And I confessed my sins and I invited Jesus Christ to come into my heart and come into my life. And at that very moment, the Bible says, I was born again. Born into the family of God. I became what was known as a son of the living God. And I've never gotten over it, my friend. And I am so grateful to know that very thing. And so... As the Bible is talking here, that we are children of God. Friend, I want you to know something. You're looking at a royal blue blood. I am a prince. You might just might as well go ahead and call me Prince Kelly because I am a prince of a child of the king. Bought, washed, cleansed, and dressed. In his holy righteousness. And my friend, it was because of the precious love of a holy God. Oh, my friend. I don't know if I'm going to be able to contain myself. I'm just there to warn you. To stop and to think of what the Bible reminds us here. The Bible says that we're partakers of his nature. That he took my nature... As he came and he was born as a man and he lived and he was tempted in all manners as we are. But not only did he take of my nature, I partook of his nature. That spiritual nature, that nature of holiness, that nature of righteousness. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren. Conformed. And then, of course, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 14 and 15, listen to this. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father, Daddy, God. My friend, you can't get any more intimate than that. That he is my Abba, Father, my Daddy, But because that we are children of God, there are certain benefits that we are able to enjoy and to be able to appreciate. First of all, go back and as you began to look at this passage of Scripture, as he talks about that we are now children of God, he begins to remind us that we have the Father's care. We have the Father's care. My father is obligated to take care of his children. And he will take care of his children. 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 26 reminds us of how he takes care of his children. Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not, listen to this, are you not of more value than they? Are you not more value than they? What father would feed his chicks and allow his children to starve? And that's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ is telling us. He is telling us that he loves us and because that he loves us, he cares for us and he is going to take care of all of our needs. Listen to what the Bible says in Psalms 37 verse 25. I have been young and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. Let me ask you, which would you rather have? Had you rather have a warehouse full of bread or a father that who owns a bakery? <laughs> I am so grateful that the Bible says that this is the day that the Lord has made and that he will take care of us. And my friend that he will supply and meet every need of our lives. But not only, my friend, that we have the Father's care, but we have the Father's correction. Do you ever find yourself in in trouble? (laughs) Because of God's love, he sometimes sends us in the avenue of trouble. Hebrews chapter 12 Verses 5, 6, and 7. Listen to these words. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? We understand that because God loves us, he will not allow us to participate in sin and get by with it. I don't know if you've ever been to the woodshed or not, but if you've ever been to the woodshed with the father, you don't want to go back there. He loves us. And therefore, he wants to make sure that we stay clean. So it reminds me of a little boy. He's outside in the yard playing. And as he's outside in the yard playing, there he is trampling through the, uh, trampling through the mud puddles. The mama comes out and she sees him. And she says, you're not coming to this house with all that mud upon you. She goes out and she takes a hose and she rinses them down and she cleans them up and she brings them in. See, she was not rejecting him. She was rejecting the mud that was upon him. And my friend, that's what God has to do sometimes, does he not? He has to hose us down. He has to clean us up. He has to make us right and pure, and holy. And why does he do that? It's because that he loves us. 
I am so grateful to know that God loves me enough that He's not going to allow me to get into sin and to stay in the sin. He will correct His children and He will wash and cleanse His children when we allow Him to. So, the Christian's dignity, the Father cares for us. He loves us and He cares for us. And because of that, the Father's correction, He cleanses us. And then, of course, we have the Father's compassion. I remember when my boys were small and they were young. I remember one particular time, Sean was just a baby. And uh, we had taken him to the hospital and we had to have, he had to have surgery. And I remember taking that little baby at that time and handing him over to the nurse and to the doctor. And there was a sadness and a fear in my heart. But at the same time, I thought, I'd a whole lot rather for that had been me than him. Because of my love and my compassion. My friend, that's the way that God looks upon us. He hurts when you hurt. He cries when you cry. When you have a need, He realizes that need. And He has great, great compassion upon us. Psalms 103 Verse 13 says this, As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fears him. My father loves me, and he pities me in the time of needs in my heart. My heart is broken. His heart is broken. When there's tears upon my cheeks, there's tears upon his cheeks. But we also have the father's companionship. Sometimes I'll get busy and the telephone ring and the last thing I want to do is talk on the telephone. But I'll go ahead and I'll answer the telephone and I'll pick it up. And then on the other end, I hear somebody say, Daddy? Or they'll say, Dad? And all together, my attitude changed. I'm ready to talk. I'm ready to convulse with a conversation. And then if they say, Papa, I'm ready to sit down for an hour and talk for a while. <laughs> There's something about the Father's companionship. And my friend, did you know that's exactly the way it is when you call upon the Father in heaven? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Guess what? You've got his attention. He is listening to you and he is waiting to re- reply to your requests. I remember reading about the American Indian and how he would, uh, the American Indian man would take his young brave, his young son, and as he was going into adulthood, would take him out into the forest. And he would draw a circle out there in the middle of the forest. And there on the eve of darkness, wild animals everywhere, he would place his young son in the center of that circle. And he would tell that young brave to stay there in the center of that circle. 
And he was going to have to stay there all night long, all by himself. And you can imagine, in the middle of the night, hearing these wild animals, the fear that possibly came upon that young boy. And then early in the morning, to his surprise, as the sun comes rising, he looks to his right, and there is the father with his bow pulled. They're waiting and watching and protecting his young son through the night. My friend, I want you to understand that's exactly the way the Father is with us. He loves us. And he has companionship with us. And he watches over us and he protects us. But I want you to see something else. Look with me in verse 2. Not only the Christian's dignity, as you'll notice there in verse 1, but the Christian's destiny. Look with me in verse 2. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it's not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Two things. First of all, he tells us here in this verse of Scripture, there are many things that we don't know. There's a lot of things that that this Bible is not real clear about as far as our future. There's a lot of people today uh, afraid to witness because they're afraid that they might be asked a question that they don't know. Well, I've got a simple answer when somebody asks you something that you don't know. And it works every time. Just simply say, I don't know. I believe they'd rather hear you say that than to try to bluff your way through it and they know that you don't know what you're talking about in the first place. I just simply don't know. But there are some things. Jesus says there are some things that I would like to tell you, but you're just not able to comprehend it. You're just not able to understand. I have all kinds of questions been brought to me down through the years, and, and, and the answer is I just simply don't know. What are we going to look like when we get to heaven? I don't know. What are we going to be like when we get to heaven? I don't know. How old are we going to be when we get to heaven? I don't know. A dark glass that we look through. But one day we'll be able to see him face to face. One of these days, these questions that we have are going to be answered in such a marvelous way that we'll stand back amazed. He says there are certain things that we just don't understand. Some things we just don't know. But then he says there are certain things that we do know. Look what he says there in verse 2. Beloved, now we are children of God. Now notice what he says here. 
And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed. It didn't say if he is revealed. But it says when he is revealed. Christ is going to appear, the Bible is telling us. Jesus says, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. We see a number of references throughout the New Testament of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that the Bible talks about that as a blessed hope. Something of certainty. Something of a matter of a fact that he is coming back again. But then he says that not only Christ is going to appear, but it says that we shall see him as he is. Stop for a moment and allow that to sink in. We will be able to see him as he is. Now we have not seen it. You stop and you think about this for a moment. We have not seen the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the Gospels. And the Gospels tells us and gives us a portrait of what he, what and who he is. But with our physical eyes, we have never seen him. With our physical hands, we've never touched him. With our physical ears, we've never really heard him audibly. Now, you stop. Now, isn't that strange? Someone that we have not seen, someone that we have not heard audibly, or someone that we have not touched physically, and yet we have given our hearts and our lives over to him. Stop and think about it. And as wonderful as the relationship that you have with him today, of one that you have not seen, touched, or heard, can you imagine one of these days when you're able to see him, when you're able to hear him, and when you're able to touch him? Can you imagine how wonderful that very fact will be? I think of a story in the Old Testament that illustrates so beautifully of what John is describing to us here today. In the Old Testament, there is a servant of Isaac. And he went to find him a bride. And he went to this young, beautiful lady by the name of Rebekah. And he began to make an appeal to Rebecca, telling her how wonderful Isaac is and how much he will love her and how much his fortunes will be given to her and on and on and on and on. And yet she had not seen him. She chose to go with the servant. 
and to marry that old boy. And the Bible tells us that as she comes down and as she comes in view of Isaac, she gets off of her camel and she rushes to the arms of Isaac. One that she'd never seen. One that she'd never heard. One that she'd never touched. And yet she gave her life over to him. My friend, one of these days, one of these precious days, I'm going to get off my old camel of the world. And I'm going to go rushing into the arms of my precious Savior. And I'm going to be able to see him. I'm going to be able to touch him. I'm going to be able to kiss him. I'm going to be able to worship him without no restraints. What a glorious day that will be. I'm about to shout. Think about that. Think about that. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 12 says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Revelation talks about, they shall see his face. What a glorious day. We will not only shall see him as he is, but we will be like him. Can you imagine this old sin-cursed individual that have been washed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, purchased, cleansed, and robed in his righteousness. The Bible says one of these days I shall be like him. Look what he says. He is revealed, and we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Romans 8, chapter 29 tells us that we will be conformed in His perfect image. In that perfect image. I think about, I have a purified character. A purified character. Can you imagine being able to worship Him without any restraints of the flesh, any restraints of the devil, any restraints of the world? Can you imagine that I will be able and you will be able to have a purified character that we will be in such likeness of Him that you will look just like Him? You will be just like like him, a purified character, a glorified body. Oh, as I think about our bodies and how it deteriorates, there'll be none of these anymore. There won't be any more crutches. There won't be any more walkers. There won't be any more hospital beds. There won't be any more hearing aids. There won't be any more of these things that helps these old bodies to operate. 
Because there won't be no need of it for us. We will have a glorified body, one that is of perfected perfection. And so the Bible says that we will have a purified body. We'll have a glorified body and we'll have a satisfied heart. Oh, man, will I ever be satisfied. We live in a world today that would seem like most of us can never be satisfied. But there's going to come a day, there's going to come a time where you will be able to be satisfied to be just like the Savior. So what have we found so far? We've talked about the Christian's dignity and the Christian's destiny. But what about the Christian's duty? Listen to what the Bible says in verse 3. And everyone... And you might want to underline that. Everyone, he's talking about children of God, those that have been born again, those that have been washed by his blood, who has this hope in him, purifies himself just as he is pure. Three things. That hope he's talking about is a blessed hope. He's talking about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is saying, first of all, that you should be looking for His coming. That hope, that literally means a hope of certainty. It's not the type of hope that somebody might will say, I hope the Carolina Panthers may win tonight. (laughs) Because they may and they may not. But he is talking about a blessed hope of certainty. He is talking about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is saying that you should be looking, looking with great interest, looking with great desire, looking, with great anticipation. But he goes a step further. Not only that you should be looking for his coming, but you should be living for his coming. Every day of my life, I should be living a life that would be pleasing to him. That my life is purified. My life would be pure and holy and clean. If you knew that Jesus Christ, you knew it without a shadow of a doubt that he was going to come at one o'clock today, would there be anything in your life that you would change? Would there be anything that you'd want to get rid of? Would you want to race home? Get rid of some old movies that you know that would not be of purity? Would you want to go home and clean out your refrigerator? Because you have some bottles in there that you know that would be embarrassing. Would you take thorough inspection of your life? Well, my friend, that's what's living For his coming is all about. 
And my friend, he may not come at 1, he may come at 12. He may come in the next minute or two. And so therefore, my friend, I should not only be looking for his coming, but I should be living. Living with great purity, pureness in my heart. But there should be longing. There should be an, an earnestness of longing for the coming. You know, the more I look around and the more I see what's going on in our society today, I've come to a thorough understanding, and that is the best thing that could ever happen to you and me is for Jesus to come back soon. Come back, Lord Jesus. As John says, even so, Lord, come. Heard about a story one time. This young boy was working in the bakery. And about that time, the telephone rung. And somebody cried out, He's coming! And about immediately, the lady starting to put the nets over their hair. They putting on clean aprons on, sweeping the floor. And he could not figure out what was going on. And then about that time, a man walks in the door. He was the state health inspector. And what happened, they had this thing going with other bakeries and other places of business that when he would leave, they would call the next business and tell them that he was coming. And it was amazing of how when they heard that he was coming, how they became serious about their actions. Well, my friend, he's coming. He's coming. And therefore, my friend, we need to be serious about our actions. Friend, God loves you so much. It's beyond our understanding how much he loves us. And he has made such a way for us to know him and to experience him in a manner that it becomes such a blessing to us. Somebody says, well, you know, for 2,000 years they've been saying Jesus is coming back. That just means he's closer today than he was 2,000 years ago. Why hadn't he come back sooner? It could very well possibly be because of you, sir. You've never given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's waiting for you to do it. Because he knows that if he comes and you've never done that, you'd be left behind. What a tragedy. So because of his wonderful mercy... He prolongs His coming. 
But my friend, there's going to come a day. He is going to come again. With you or without you. His desire is that it's with you. That to be able to receive him. And to be brought up and ascended into the glories of heaven. At that rapturous day. Lord Jesus, your love is amazing. I thank you so much for the way that you have allowed John to be able to pin these words that we shall be like you and that we shall be able to see you. And know you. And experience you. But Lord we can do that today. Through your Holy Spirit. You are working in individuals lives. And you are knocking upon a door of an individual. And you are telling that individual. I love you. And if you will just open your heart's door, I want to come and come into your midst and to save you and to give you eternal life. Lord, you're telling us as, as believers that we should be living for you every single day. And Lord, if there's something in our life that is not pure and holy. And something that would be displeasing to you. We need to get rid of it. We need to confess it. And repent from it. Lord there's some people here today. That need to do that very thing. There's some people here today. That need to come and give their heart to you. There's some people here today that you've called them to come and to be a part of the fellowship of this church, whether by baptism or by letter or by statement. You've called them to be about the Father's business. And so, Lord, give them the power. Give them the strength. Give them the courage to do that very thing. And Father, may we go away from this place honoring you and praising you and thanking you for it. For we ask this in Jesus' name.